I had talked to him, and in fact, he was trying to find other lenders. So he was working behind the scenes. But by the time he said good luck, he realized that my contract was expiring within two weeks. So my $20,000 I had down plus all my expenses was going to just vanish. If you're a passive investor wanting to learn more about questions to ask sponsors in order to qualify the opportunities, in order to qualify the sponsor, in order to qualify the market that the property is in, then go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. My team and I created this site just for you so that there is a free resource available to you to learn about the questions to ask, the things to think through prior to investing in deals. So go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. It's a free resource for you that was made just for you. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff because today is Saturday. Got a special segment for you. This is going to be a fun one. Situation Saturday. Here's the situation. You are about to close on a multifamily property and uh-oh, lender backed out. What the heck? What's going on? Well, if you come across this situation, hopefully you don't, but if you do, then fortunately we're going to hear about a situation just like that that actually happened with our best ever guest, how he overcame it so that should you come across this situation, you've got a roadmap. How you doing, Michael Beeman? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing well and looking forward to our conversation. A little bit about Michael really quickly. He began his real estate investing career in May 2017 with 52 k to invest. His company holdings now include ownership and management of over 120 multifamily units. He was a guest on this show, episode 1,345, titled Another Real Estate Success Story, 31 Units with $60,000. Now we're going to talk about a situation that he was recently in, and it's a 62-unit that the lender backed out. So I'm not going to give any more information about that. I think now would love for you, Michael, to just tell us a story about the 62 unit. Okay. So how we came across it was that I had searched around online and I had inquired about a property that a broker had. And we went back and forth, the broker and I did on voicemails that were left about every three or four days because he didn't know who I was. And when you get into that realm of things, generally brokers want to feel you out and have an understanding that you're not just a big waste of their time. So I wasn't early enough on the first property, but he came down, visited me, saw our operation, really believed in what we were doing. And I had a couple of investors, one that actually had heard me on your first podcast and wanted to partner with me. Oh, and cool. So, yeah, right. so, yeah, yeah. So that was wonderful. And he's actually invested with us twice now. And we're looking at doing another investment together on some smaller stuff because we do a wide range. We have stuff all the way down to duplexes, and then we have this 62 unit. But going back to the 62 unit, I had the investment money lined up. I had about 18 months track record with my own stuff, and this was last November, and it was supposed to close. So we had gotten the thing under contract, done our due diligence, gone through everything, figured out we're buying this at a nine cap. Where our value add was, we were going to separately meter the water, plus the rents were averaging about $55 a door low, and the water metering was going to save us $37,000 a year, that with increasing rents about $11,000 a year, and lowering some of the other expenses like maintenance and such. 
we had a nice half million dollar value add on something we raised about a half million dollars for. So it wasn't a big purchase. And this was in Springfield, Illinois. And I get to the day of closing and I'm driving there and I'm like, huh, it's weird that nobody's called me this morning because it was a two <laughs> o'clock closing in Springfield, Illinois, which is about two hours from me. And I said, it's weird that nobody's called me this morning because I was told that I was going to get a confirmation phone call of exactly where the meeting place was. But I knew the name of the title company, so I just put it in Google and started driving. Everything must be going perfectly. So yeah, everything it, must be going perfectly. I didn't even no issues. No one's calling you for any issues. Yeah, I didn't see any issues. And then I got a call from the mortgage broker, which is the lender that had worked out with this financial institution. It's the mortgage broker on these large properties. If some of your listeners don't know, there'll be mortgage brokers that shop around for the right bank for you and get you a deal. And then they throw on half point or a point on your note. But sometimes if you're starting out, they can be an asset to you. So he calls me up and I'm about 30 minutes from the site and about an hour from close. And he calls me up to say the banks called him this morning and they backed out. He has no idea. They wouldn't give a reason. He suspects it was because it was right towards the end of the year and they had an overrun or overload on multifamily loans and decided they weren't doing it anymore until the new year. And good luck with it. And that was it. And I was like, what? That's disgusting. I lost my mind. I was like, what in the world? I've got investor money. I've spent at least $50,000 with my syndication attorney and my inspections and everything else, which is going to have to come out of my pocket because I'm going to have to return the investor money because the investor money is sitting in an account, but I've got 50000 of my dollars that's going to go down the tube at least and maybe closer to seventy. If I look back, I could probably get the exact number, but regardless of that, so I'm talking to him like, what in the heck do I do? So I call my syndication attorney to tell her and she says, call this guy. So I called this other mortgage broker that was really good. And then I called my local bank and my local bank was actually somewhat interested in it, but it was their monthly meeting for purchases over a million dollars where their board gets together. So they wanted to go to that meeting. And then when they went to the meeting, they decided that this wasn't the right time for them to do this right now. They didn't really trust us yet, and they didn't feel we had enough time in it. They were afraid of the distance from us and everything else, even though we had an on-site manager there that came with the property. Basically, our system's set up where everything's online. Tenants pay bills online. They apply online. We advertise online, especially Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist. Our software puts it out to apartments.com. So it's not like the old days where you really have to be on site. You can do a lot of stuff from a distance, especially if you have somebody on site that does nothing but show apartments and give out five-day notices and you have local maintenance. So we actually felt like we had a very good organization, much better than the previous owner who was just a mom-and-pop owner. And he basically was doing everything with the metal box and people dropped their cash in on the side of the door. And he was a very mom-and-pop in that thing, just a sign hanging out front with his cell phone number on it. So we thought we were much better than that. So they backed out. So now we're getting up into late January. Well, and, well t t time out before yeah. you went so I the moment to, you got uh, the so phone call. You're, you're, wondering, you're wondering, how did I get the seller to go this far? Well, there's a whole lot of things I'm wondering. So time out real quick. Let me just ask a couple questions before we get into months down the road. We just heard you got a phone call. You're on the way to closing and your mortgage broker says bank backed out and I don't know why – Good luck. Did you ask that mortgage broker, well, what are some other options for other lenders? 
I had talked to him, and in fact, he was trying to find other lenders. So he was working behind the scenes. But by the time he said good luck, he realized that my contract was expiring within two weeks. So my $20,000 I had down plus all my expenses was going to just vanish. So he realized all of that situation. And he said, there's no way I can get somebody within two weeks to do this. And how much money did you need for the financing? There's about a one and a half million dollar finance. Okay. So one and a half million dollar financing, which is kind of tough because it's a little too large for most people if they were to pull a couple people's funds together for them to take down, but not large enough for a lot of interest with... Because one was a 36 and one was a 10 and one was a 16, it was a portfolio. And they weren't close enough to combine them and call them agency debt. So I couldn't get agency debt either. Okay. Now, they had a lot of cash flow opportunity because of that. And I was buying at a nine cap and there was a ton of value add. So I had a lot of things going for me with the property that I really liked. I had that going against me. Mm-hmm. So I'm discussing with the broker because I've got this through the Marcus Millichap broker. And he has convinced the seller to not just take it off the market or go to anybody else. He has convinced the seller we are still a solid buyer and he's the one that really helped salvage the deal with me. And we talked to the seller and he said, okay, well, I'm just going to keep running it as is. It's making more money now for me than it ever has because he had finished up a bunch of repairs and remodels. So his new tenants were coming in at almost $100 higher than his current tenants. So he was not upset at that point He just realized that he was in his 60s and he didn't want to be doing this forever. And what, if anything, did you have to give him in order to agree? So I had to to increase the price about $20,000 to get the large extension that I needed. And how did you all come up with that $20,000 figure? Well, he basically came back to me saying, look, I'll do it for X amount of dollars. And he was like at 50 And I said, you're out of your mind. I was like, that's $50,000. I'm not doing that. So I bluffed and said I'd walk away, which I probably would have done the 50. So I bluffed and said I was going to walk away and told the broker, I said, this isn't going to kill the deal. I said, let's bluff him and see how low I can get this number down because he seems like a real reasonable guy and I don't want to spend an extra 50. That throws off my projections on my returns by almost a full percentage point. So I talked to the Marcus Millichap broker and he communicated with the seller and he got me to agree to 20 because I had been all the way down around 10, but we agreed somewhere at $20,000 and I got an extension. Now I closed on the very last day of that extension and that's a whole nother story. So I'm trying to salvage this deal. So from there, I'm talking to this mortgage broker. Now that I've got this extension, I'm talking to a mortgage broker. The new one. That the syndication. A new mortgage broker. Okay. Uh, his name's Eric Stewart. He's great. He's a great mortgage broker for large multifamily. Anyways, I'm talking to him, and he thinks he's got a, a lender that would specialize in this type of situation because he realizes my value adds. So he says, you know, you probably don't want long-term debt that's going to cost you a lot of money and you don't want debt that's going to cost you a lot of money to refinance out of because I can see what your goal is here. You want to get all of this water meter to get your rents up and you want another 18 to 24 months to be able to refinance your investor cash out. And I said, exactly. So we're talking. So he thinks he found someone, but they're dragging their feet at the moment. And he said, go ahead to your local bank. And if you think they'll do it, then try And I mentioned before that they just didn't like the management setup. Plus, they were a smaller bank, and that was a lot of money to them. So anyways, going forward, 
he's found this bank. We go through the whole process again, go through everything, give him all of our information, which is reasonably close at this point because we had all the information for the other bank. We were already at a closing. So we basically found a lender that would take on the property with 24 months of interest only. So I get a little bit higher interest rate doing that, but then I still have time to refinance out at the end of 24 months. And on the one property that's 36 units, we believe we will have a valuation over a million dollars, which will allow us to put agency debt over on it. The other two properties will have to switch to more traditional financing whenever we refinance out. So he gets that put together and we are on the last day of closing. My mom is one of the signers with me because she's one of the largest investors. She had invested of our 500,000, she had brought 190. Because like I said in my previous episode, I started this company. My mom put in 20,000 of that original 52 I had and she now owned one quarter. So whenever I came to wanting to do something big, she had belief in me because she'd seen what I was already capable of. And so she came, whenever I had this opportunity, she wanted in. So she was one of the signers on the deal. And then I was on there and she's on vacation, which is just perfect because she's in Florida. We're trying to do essentially a mail-in closing. My mom's in Miami, Florida on vacation. And she's supposed to sign this paperwork and uh, she's driving all over Florida in an Uber to different places because she doesn't know how to use some of the simple things that most of us know how, like cam scanner to where you can just take pictures and scan the dot and it runs a scanning app and you can send those documents back. So she's running to different banks to see if somebody will help her out with scanning these documents back to us, signing and scanning them back and making sure she fills them out correctly on her end. So then there's confusion on where she's supposed to overnight them. So they got overnighted to lender instead of closing because that's where she swore the lady told her to send them. (laughs) So I'm just, I'm pulling my hair out on the day of closing. And finally they say, okay, because this was the day before closing, the day of closing, I find out all this and I'm pulling my hair out because FedEx said they couldn't reroute it because it was overnight delivery. And even though the day before, whenever I figured all this out, I had, called them and they said they can reroute it, but that lady didn't realize it was overnight delivery. So the lender gets it. They call title. They say, okay, we have everything. Do you need this? And they said, no, if you saying you have everything and you're going to send us money, she said, I have everything I need for title closing. I don't understand why you guys wanted to send the documents here first anyways. So they said, okay. So, so that problem was taken care of and we finally got to closing there at the end, but it was just one of those things where you got to the end and you were just like, nothing can go right. (laughs) So it was a learning experience. There's a lot of tips I could give to people going forward. Like Um, what? What are they? One of them is I should have been in much better communication with the lender to find out what the issue was from the very beginning to try and overcome their objection. See, like the second time around, It wasn't as difficult for me to overcome objection because the mortgage broker I was working with, Eric Stewart, was in great contact with the lender. And he was like, okay, here are their objections. Here's how we can handle them. So he kind of took me under his wing in a way to show me exactly what to say when I got on the call, tell me exactly how I was going to do things, to explain things, to say what they wanted to hear. And I never had that with my first mortgage broker. So I will say that if you have the right team, that is 100% your most important thing. 
and then finding out what your objections are and how to overcome them. So that worked out in my favor, having him on my team in that same situation. That deal would have never got closed without him, and I'd have been out 50000 for trying a syndication. Mm-hmm. And also having the broker from Marcus and Millichat be able to navigate that conversation. Yes. With his seller, because he was representing the seller, right? Yep. Okay, so he was representing the seller, but he was just trying to make sure the deal took Got place. done. Yeah, and how many months delayed was it for closing? Okay. It closed in early April, so that was essentially three and a half months delayed. So it's delayed three and a half months. and Yes. And the only thing you had to do to get that additional time was increase the purchase price by $20,000. Yeah, that was the only thing I ended up having to give up in the deal, which was amazing. To now, keep the whole- yeah, n- now, if you had not closed within that three and a half month time period and it expired again, would you have lost out on the original 50, obviously? But then yeah. the additional 20 or was it just 20 tacked onto the purchase price? No, that was my thing. I did it tacked onto the purchase price because this was not a sophisticated seller. This is his only 62 units. He was selling them. He'd owned them for 14 years and he had bought them in a partnership with some partners and within two to three years realized he didn't like the partners and bought them all out. And so he had this property. He was self-managing. And so he was asking originally for $50,000 in increased price. Right, right, right. So he still had some belief by saying that to me. In my opinion, he had strong belief and belief in his broker that said, this guy will get the job done. So he still had strong belief in his broker at that time, in my opinion, to just say $50,000 increased price instead of bring me twenty dollars or $50,000 cash so that if you don't close, I have an even bigger pile of cash in my pocket to put the thing back on the market. And that put me in a safer situation going forward as well, because I didn't have to put out any more cash, except for the $12,000 that the lender wanted me to put forward for their appraisal due diligence stuff, which the new lender cost me that twelve grand, and it cost me twenty dollars on the price which ended up being about $32,000. So all in all, I can't complain too much. The mortgage broker and the broker from Marcus and Millichap really helped me. And then a little bit of me just basically not willing to quit and just trying to figure out how to overcome every objection with the lender, overcome objections with the seller, and try to get something to the finish line. And we did. And our team's up there right now starting on their rehabs on some of the things and the metering of the water. Well, thoroughly enjoyed this story, and I'm glad that all's well that ends well. Thank you for sharing, and thanks for coming back on and updating us with a situation that took place that was very challenging. And best ever listeners, if you like this episode, then I did an interview with Mark Massier, episode 599. So that was like a thousand days ago, longer than a thousand days ago. And it's titled Big Money Raised, Investor Partner Set, and on closing day, the lender says dot, dot, dot. Well, spoiler alert, same thing happened. In that case, it was a large medical office building in Nebraska, and it wasn't as storybook ending as yours is with his deal. So (laughs) if you're curious about how it could have gone, then you can listen to episode 599. 
So thank you for being on the show. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? My email is michaelbeeman at beemanandsons.com. I talk to a lot of people all the time. Some people that have heard me on your podcast and others, and I try and help them out. We've partnered on deals. My number is 217-508-8185. That's a good way to reach me. And if you just shoot me a text message, like if you call most of the time, I'm like everybody else, I'm going to be busy, but you shoot me a text message, ask for a time to have 15 minutes of my time. I love helping people out. I also love hearing about real estate stories all over the country. And I get to hear those whenever I get to talk to people. So I have a good time with that as well. Thanks for being on the show again. Enjoyed learning more about this story. Hope you have the best ever day. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, Joe. If you're a passive investor and want to learn more about Ashcroft Capital, the company I co-founded with my business partner, Frank, and in particular, want to learn more about our strategy and how we think about the opportunities that we purchase, go to ashcroftcapital.com and click the strategy button above and you'll be able to read through our thought process we use when we're purchasing multifamily properties. Have you heard about the latest podcast for entrepreneurs called Tough Decisions? Listen to Dan and Danae Hanford as they interview successful people from around the world about tough decisions as entrepreneurs. Visit toughdecisions.net and be sure to subscribe to their free weekly entrepreneurial email. That's toughdecisions.net.